the water is obviously a reference to the spirit, right? Some of you is like, well, biology is like people study these weird things where what you'd have to puncture to get water out of your side. I don't think that's the point of the text. The point of the text is that, that the Roman soldier hit an aortic sac where water is kept. That's, I don't think that's the point. Water in scripture symbolizes life. It symbolizes, most importantly, the spirit, the spirit of God. If, we, if you did a, a cursory study of water, uh, of flowing water, I should say, in the book of Revelation, God sits on his throne and it says water flows out from it. Jesus said, whoever drinks this water, to him it shall be a river of living water that flows from it. Right in reference to the spirit. And he has all the, these wild references of flowing water from somebody. Now Jesus, if we drink living water and water will flow out of us, how much more does it flow out of him? Right? Why blood? Why is, well, of course he's a human. right? The blood is humanity. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Right? Like his blood is shed. So we have this great, I do think water and blood physically flowed from him, but we also have a, a type and shadow of humanity and spirit, God's spirit flowing from him. I think the scripture makes it very clear that Jesus' cross, he considered that his throne. A lot of times when we think of Jesus' throne, we think of him sitting in heaven next to the Father. But while Jesus was on this earth, the cross was the throne he was going to go sit on. Something interesting happens. He's walking with his disciples. And uh, the, the sons of Zebedee. Who are the sons of Zebedee? John and James. James. You know, these guys were kind of big mouths too. Remember, Peter gets a bad rap, but these jokers, John and James, right? Have you ever met James and John's mom? Yes, you have. Because she comes up. And she, she, she has the audacity to ask Jesus a question. Maybe the boys asked it. I should get my facts straight. I can't remember. Anyway, the point is, is either the mom or the kids. Who did it? Mary, do you know this one? Oh, I thought you were going to help me out. <laughs> um, they said, hey, we want to sit on the right and the left of your throne. That's a fair question, right? Might as well ask the king of the universe, hey, can I sit on your left and on my I guess you're on the right. And what does Jesus say? It's not for you. This, these positions have already been given out. But, what does he say? But you, you will, you'll join me. I would argue that he's actually talking about the cross. The seat onto the right and the left have already been given out. We talked about one of them was Bra- uh, Barabbas, uh, the, the repenting thief, right? And we have another guy who mocked Jesus. So these seats are already taken. I think Jesus is pointing to his cross. He says, you asked to be on my right and my left. It's, isn't it weird that the scripture says it wasn't like Jesus was on the far, far right. He was in the center and he had someone to his right and to his left. Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom where the king would actually say, my, my throne is my cross, and the greatest is the greatest servant. You've heard the expression of the upside-down kingdom, right? Yes? Am I losing you? I, I really, my, my prayer today is because you got to hold on. It's like, you're like, man, this is getting weird quick. It's going to get even crazier. But this blood and water, again, symbolic of God's heavenly throne of water flowing from it. Can you see that? That Jesus now is that the ultimate point of humility of dying on a cross. The Bible says he laid it all down. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. The death on the cross is humility for him. Right? He, he's the creator king. The God in Genesis that we talked about, 
right, that Jesus was there in the beginning. He's the light and life of men. That he was there at the very beginning when everything fell apart. Now he has to be up on that cross, that tree dying. It's tough stuff. Let's move on, verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews. That's interesting. Asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away the body. Verse 39, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds of weight. We have two secret disciples here, right? Joseph was scared of the Jews. Do you guys remember Nicodemus? Yeah, if you're watching the series The Chosen, like, you got to love some Nicodemus, right? Oh boy, that's going to make you sad. Right? So we have two secret disciples to hear that, that come to take the body. Verse 40 says, So they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, underline this, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, there they laid Jesus there. Okay. So now we're going to get into this. There was a garden. John is the only, again, the only gospel that gives us these details. I was nervous about preaching today. I never use a lot of notes anyway, so I think... uh, Anytime anyone preaches, everyone, some people write down every word they're going to say. Some people do scripture references. I don't really write a lot. I always have something up here. I put the scriptures I want to read, mostly because my eyesight is pretty bad, so I, it's just nice to have the scriptures here to read it. Uh, so I was like, I want to fly today without a net, because I think I can be more passionate about that. So you're going to have to bear with me. I'm hoping you're tracking with what's happening. I do have a few more scriptures we're going to read, but there's something phenomenal that's happening imagery, and that'll mean something to us when we think about the death on the cross. So if you'd humor me, right? So you can be patient. Um, I do like to look at you and, and talk and solicit feedback. So I'm not trying to be weird if I start staring at, staring at Jerry a lot. Jerry's my friend and Jerry's master. So okay, so there's some details going on here. So Jesus is on the cross. He dies. He says it is finished. And they go to take his body. And we have this weird detail that the crosses are next to a garden. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about Jesus on the cross, I think of more of a scene from like the Lion King after Mufasa dies and everything, all the water's dried up. Can you get that image? I always think of like a really dry area. But the idea that these crosses are hanging outside of a garden, right? It's like, well, that's kind of weird. Right? Like, I never pictured it like this. Now, I need to bring you in remembrance that the scripture actually uses some weird language in other places. I want to talk about trees. The scripture talks a lot about the death of Jesus as being hung on a tree. Acts 5.30 says this. It says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. This is from Acts. You're like, wait a minute, I thought he died on a cross. Look at Acts 13.29. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a tomb. First Peter 2.24, our friend Peter, says he himself bore our sins on his body on the tree, 
that we might die to sin and live by righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Trace, if you just keep that one up there for me, sir. Now, what's happening? Jesus died on a cross, or did he die on a tree? It doesn't matter. He died on a cross, and he died on a tree, and it does matter. The word for tree, if we, if we take the language, like especially in the Old Testament, we have a tree. We know what a tree is in English. And I cut down the tree. Is it still a tree? Yes, it is. If I take that tree and I cut it, quarter saw it, and I make some planks, is it still a tree? Now you understand what's happening here. That tree was used to make it a cross. So the scripture calls it a tree. It still is what it is. It's still a tree. And trees are interesting in the Bible because uh, I just heard this this week, is that it is the third most referenced living thing in the entire Bible. God, humanity, trees. Now, not the word trees per se, but all the trees are. Pomegranate trees, terabith trees, oak trees, trees, forests. Trees. So that's interesting, right? He's like, oh. So there's a very good chance that when you go through your Bible that every other page you're going to run into a tree. Right? Weird, right? What's up with God and trees? Okay, let's start putting the picture together. What caused our problem in the Garden of Eden? Trees. It was disobedience. It was trees, right? Because God made his humanity, he made his world, and he planted a garden. And what we do know about the garden is full of trees, fruit trees. And rivers watered these trees, and water came up from the ground since before rain came. There was one tree he didn't, he didn't want us to touch. Right. I think maybe some of you are starting to pick up what's happening here, but we have this one tree. And when we ate from the tree, we read Genesis up front for a reason. What happened when we ate from the tree? Death, what else happened? What else happened? Separation, we kicked out of the garden. Now, pause. Somebody said separation. We've got to be careful because does God still deal with humanity? So the very next two people, Cain and Abel, God is talking to Cain. Right? So be careful how we think about separation because God is still with humanity. Has God ever left humanity? We've got to think about these things correctly because I agree we're going to have a spiritual death, and I think that's what people are thinking about. But God has never left humanity even under sin, right? Because Adam and Eve sinned, he kicks them out of the garden. But then next thing you know, God is talking to, to Cain because he knows he's about to kill his brother. God talks to Abraham. God talks to Moses. We have a whole story. God has never left us. Okay, so we're back to the tree. What else happened? So we said um, we got kicked out of the garden. What else happened when we ate of that tree? What else did God say? Think, think through. So, painful childbirth. You said it. a curse. The ground was cursed. Everything was cursed. A curse. Now we have this up here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. We had a curse. Everyone, this is one of those words we throw out. We know what curses are, right? We think of witches and hexes, or things just not going your way. Has anyone ever said, "I'm cursed"? Everything I touch turns to garbage. Heidi, you said that? You're not cursed. Yes, I am. No, you're not. You're blessed. Stop it. I'm going to talk to you afterwards. But we, we've all felt like that. I have had seasons in my life where I was like, I must be cursed, right? 
you watch The Office. Remember when Michael Scott thought The Office was on an Indian burial ground? If you remember that episode? Okay. Cursed. But the idea of cursed is, you think about it, is something against you. In this case, the ground was cursed by God. God was against it. He said, whenever man works this thing, it's going to produce thorns and thistles. What should be easy to you women? You should be having you know, bare children painlessly. Guess what? Cursed. Have fun hurting, right? And it's not that God, like, like, like he gets off on this, right? He's punishing sin, disobedience. But what I want you to see there is the root of the fall. Yes, it was disobedience, but it was caused by a tree. Not caused by, it's caused by the serpent. But the tree is in this mix. Can you see it? Jesus was hung on a tree outside of a garden. You see a big imagery going on here. The tree, by eating it, brought the disobedience, brought a curse. Jesus, you go back one uh, trace. Uh, thank you, sir. Um, to Galatians. He says he becomes a curse for us. I'm proposing to you, and I'm, I'm, not the only, I'm not the first person to have this thought, but what we're seeing here on the cross is a reversal of what's happening beginning of Genesis. Two or three weeks ago, Sam brought up the idea that the thorns on Jesus' head represented the cursed ground. Really think about this. Jesus is hung on a tree, the scripture says. And the curse now is coming back to the tree. The curse emanates because of disobedience around this tree. The curse is coming back to the tree. You see this? Rivers Flowed of water flowed in Eden, man sins, and now blood flows and water flows. On this tree, blood and water are flowing from our Lord and Savior. He becomes sin. He's, he's crowned with the cursed ground. He's taking all sin for humanity on himself. He's breaking the curse of the law. He's breaking all these curses that were placed on us. He's becoming you see what's happening here? Everything that starts, if, if we have a perfectly clear lake and a raindrop hits it, what happens to that lake? Ripples, the reverberations across the entire lake. And that's what the sin of Adam was, right? It's reverberation across all humanity. And none of us can get out of its wake. It's coming for us, right? We're born, and we're swimming like crazy, right? And it's like, here it comes. Doesn't matter, it's hitting us, right? And when Christ comes, and it's like sends the shockwave back, because he dies for all sins, past, present, and future, and calms the waters of God's anger and his judgment. And if I was a great special effects guy, or I could do Jim Carrey, you know, doing his reverse guy thing, reverse, 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 all the curses broken, everything going back. Now Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He, remember, God kept us out of the garden to keep us from what? Who has become our life? Jesus. Jesus. Can you see that he is the tree of life? That all would come to him, he wouldn't turn away. That if we believe in Jesus, do we live forever, yes or no? Yes. Do we have access in the garden to the tree of life again? The symbolism is strong, right? That if you believe in Jesus, so he is on this tree, cursed, and when we come to this tree, It's the tree of life. It was a tree of death to him. But what is it to us? It's the tree of life. We'll live forever in the garden. 
with God. And what's God's original design? So this is where it gets even crazier. So when God creates the heavens and the earth, he creates the, the animals, and he creates the plants, and he creates the people. And what's interesting between the uh, plant kingdom and the human kingdom is we're actually very related because the Bible makes it a point to say we both have seed. Right? Men have seed, and women have seed, and plants have seed. And God starts to use throughout the entire Bible, if you study it out, God likens us to trees. The Psalms tell us that he who meditates on the word of the God is like a tree that is planted by the waters. Right? He meditates. He's like this. What happens when we get uh, when we get filled with the Spirit? What are we supposed to produce? Ooh, anyone know the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Yeah. All these things. So the Bible starts to talk about us like trees. We're to produce certain things. We're to be rooted and grounded up in Him. We're to produce fruit. Remember the command to be fruitful and multiply. Sheds a whole new light on the idea of what being fruitful is. Right? Multiplying is easy. <laughs> being fruitful is tough. Would you agree with that? Right? It's easy to multiply and it's tougher to be fruitful. So now... Our Lord is this hanging on this tree. We're to be like trees in this garden where God is walking, we're producing fruit. Where the Bible says that God, we're pleasant. We uh, bring up a pleasant aroma to you. I'm trying to paint this big picture of what's happened. When Jesus says it is finished, if we only think about our small piece of it, our redemption, God is healing that whole line that's been broken back to Adam originally on that. Can you see that? Like these images, the thorns, the garden, the water, the blood. He's healing all of humanity. It doesn't mean all humanity is saved. Let's not get crazy here because the Bible says we have to believe, repent and believe. Now, to carry the image forward, there's a weird picture. Trish, will you do the image, the first image here? Okay. I want you to see this. What is this? The roots. Actually, show the next picture. It's actually your lungs. Called a bronchial breath. Go back to the other one. So yeah, it's inside of your lungs. Those are the little areas that the air goes into. Again, I'm not. I didn't. Obviously, I didn't discover this. There's a lot of Christians that talk about these things. Where trees, they produce oxygen. They give us life, right? And then the idea that, and I just don't have all the scriptures. I'm like, you're gonna have to trust me and go study these things out. There's a billion different scriptures talking about us being like trees being planted, and the idea that we have these things inside of us where we're shaped like it. And so what's the encouragement here? Like, what's it like? Or how far can we deviate from John while studying John 19? I thought this was just great, gee whiz. And this would be kind of like my final point of how I want you to think about the death of Jesus and why John puts him next to this garden. Without Jesus, it's impossible to fulfill our God-designed and given roles in this life as humanity. When Adam and Eve fell, God's plan for us is to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth. That plan has never changed. Right? In this garden, there's trees that says of every kind that are beautiful and lovely. And that's why, that's why Eve got tricked, because she saw how beautiful it was. And humanity is the same way. We too are like trees. Like from our internal design to the seed principles to the bearing of the fruit, to being uh, nourished and watered. Um, 
Remember when God healed the, the blind guy? And he put mud over his eyes and, and Jesus said, what do you see? And he says, I see men walking around like trees. You remember that? And Jesus prayed for him again. Just go through and study trees. It's such a great study, right? Anyways, think about us in God's garden. Think about us rooted by these waters in the kingdom of God, producing fruit when we're supposed to be producing. Think about this creation that cries out and is broken. And when Jesus says it is finished, you know, we sing our redemption. Is the world now is, is made right. It's made back to God's original design. That you and I, friends, can walk with God in the cool of the day. The Bible says we have access to our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find help in our time of need. All we have to do, we have access to the Father 24-7. You and I, right now, you can go outside and walk and God be with you. He's with us right now. And you're saying, well, no, that's different. No, it's not different. It's not different at all. Our prayers are heard is because we know he hears us, the scripture says. When Jesus is inside of us and the Spirit is inside of us, the Bible says we're new creations. We are the garden of God. We're in that garden. We are walking with him. Now there's coming a time when this will be a physical reality. And our journey looks a lot more like, like Israel right now, wandering through the desert towards the promised land. But God was with Israel too, wasn't he? And what was their big problem? What was Israel's big problem in the desert? Say, speak louder. Okay. Complaining? Lack of faith. Right? Complain. They did complain. You're absolutely right. But they had no faith. God says, I, in Hebrews tells us, he wasn't pleased with that generation because they didn't believe. What's the common denominator of all of Jesus' miracles? They believed. When someone got healed, what did Jesus say? Do you believe I'm able to do this? What a wild statement. One guy even had the courage to say, no. <laughs> remember that? You remember that? And then he's like, help my unbelief. Right? And even Jesus honored that and said, at least this guy's not lying to me. At least he can be honest about it. Friends, we need to have this level of faith. It is finished. It is accomplished. Right? When we look at this idea that, listen, you're not cursed. Adam's original sin. Your blood is no longer tainted. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. God loves you. He's with you. We might as well be back in Genesis chapter 2 before our thing stop. Right? We exist on this earth for the reason of people that aren't with us right now. We're to go into the highways and the byways. We are reaching what we would say proverbial loss. Right? The people that aren't a part of this family. That's the only reason God doesn't end this thing, because he's still after the people. Right? Because the requirement is, is to believe in him. Like every miracle in the Bible, all the way back to um, uh, the children of Israel in the desert, they fell because they didn't believe. It says it time and time again, they didn't believe, they didn't believe. So our job, like John says, look, I'm testifying what I know, so you know my testimony is true. I'm begging you to testify. You've seen and tasted that the Lord is good. Has anyone's life changed because of their Christianity? Because of their relationship with God? Anyone, raise your hand. I would like to see. Are you a different person? Because as, as much as you may not like me now and think I'm a weirdo, you should have seen me before I was saved. I 
wife caught me right after I was saved. She probably saw the residual of the terribleness of, of me. We gotta let the world see this fruit to see this light. And that the Bible is true on so many different levels. And when people, the biggest hang-up people have from the Bible is they read things out of context or they have these questions. And do you think that, with my experience, most of the questions come out of Genesis? Is that fair? When people like want to disprove Christianity to you? Anyone have another book they like to use? Like Genesis seems to be the number one book. And I, I don't know, I, to me, is Genesis is absolutely fascinating is because the whole storyline in the Bible, these first ten pages come, every storyline runs out of this. Every problem runs out of this. Right? And it just echoes throughout eternity. And what the cross does is it answers, it ties up all the loose ends of the Bible, and it cleans it up. Maybe I'm more excited about it than you are. I didn't hear a single amen. 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 Listen, no, that's placating. That doesn't count. Well, I don't know. If if you got any questions, text them in. We could answer it. But uh, let's close with that. Uh, I pray when you read the Bible this week, I'm praying that you are reading your Bible. Really think of, try to get away from just thinking about you, your family. Sometimes it just helps to pull back and think of like, man, he's doing a lot. A lot. Like even the death on the cross isn't just about sin. He also has to take care of fulfilling scriptures. He's He's doing all these things like, well, what does the cross have to do with Adam and Eve? What does the cross have to do with Moses? What does the cross have to do with King David? These are all things we, we just don't have time to do, but they're all there in the text. What is God doing about curse? What is God doing about sin? What about the people that have died? It's all here, friends. We can, we can talk about it. What about the people that have died before Jesus came? The scripture talks about all these things. I won't, but uh, if you have questions, you can ask me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Um, yeah, Lord, we'll just let it stand where it is. We just, I just thank you that um, you would burn within us an excitement and a, for understanding of, of Jesus, who you are. John's going to tell us here in a few weeks that if everything was written down about everything you did, there wouldn't be enough uh, books in the world to contain it. And boy, Lord, we just want it. We want to to get a glimpse of what you're doing, what you've done, and what is our role to play in this, Father, that these are not meant to be history lessons, but they're meant to be an example for us of how to live and how to how to be in this world. So we thank you again um, for that. We thank you for the example set for us by Jesus. The church said? Amen.